Hello, and welcome to the next episode of the Living UD podcast, where we hear from alumni on how they are bringing the mission of the University of Dallas to the world. I'm your host, Rob Berline, and I am excited to present to you the different paths people have taken since graduating, but how they all lead back to UD. Our guest this week is Marilee Kralik. Marilee received her degree in pastoral ministry from UD in 2002. She will talk about her journey to becoming a Catholic chaplain and her service to the church and to others. Here now is our conversation with Marilee Kralik. And now we are happy to be joined by Distinguished Alumni Award winner Marilee Kralik. Marilee, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, I'm glad to be here. It's an honor and a pleasure. Well, you saw a lot of different parts of the country throughout your life and were involved with social work for a while. So tell us about your path and and prior to you coming to Dallas-Fort Worth and how you got here. Well, I started, uh, I started, uh, was born into a, into a project when I was a child. I grew up in the outskirts, the western suburbs of Cleveland, and um, my parents were in a, uh, were in a project where you, you went to live if you served um, military time, and my dad did that. So we, we started in the project and then eventually uh, grew up in Parma, went to a Catholic school there, and uh, just my life went on from there. And then I went to a Catholic high school for girls, and we were, I was taught by the Humility of Mary Nuns out of Pennsylvania and Villa Maria, Pennsylvania. And my life had been filled with, in the early, early days of my life, starting at around seven or eight years old, when my mother was becoming ill, and she was not a sickly person, but she was ill. She would spend time in the hospital, and I was designated. My grandmother, her mother, lived with us, and I had a younger sibling, and uh, my dad, sort of a steel worker, sort of ordained me, if you will, to become the person who took care of everything at home. So early on, I learned responsibility and listening to people, and uh, that sort of morphed into uh, learning at with the humility of Mary nuns, that being a woman was a very blessed gift, and it was a a good thing. It wasn't something to be taken uh, where you had to be shunted around and shunted aside. And that was a a wonderful understanding. And then I moved on to um, going to Cleveland State. I was a day-hop student at Cleveland State University, which had been Fenn College of Engineering, and the state took it over and became Cleveland State University, starting in business because I thought that I would be able to help people that would come into the personnel department, as it was called, so that they could talk about their challenges and their issues at home, found out that really that's not what that was all about. Cleveland State began a, uh, an offering in what was then called social service and their route to become certified as a social work department. And I took a few courses, and I was taken with that. I, that's, what, that's what fit for me, along with arts and, and other kinds of um, – I, t- I took some business courses as well, some economics and so forth, and that helped me. And then I graduated from Cleveland State having done social, social work experiences at settlement houses and Cuyahoga County Welfare. And I um, got married and, um, and had a child and – followed my husband around in his career and we we started in from cleveland to um greenville pennsylvania to chicago to uh let's see then down uh, chicago then down to denton and back up to kansas city and back to plano and um i was ready to start my career search beyond teaching school which i had also done as a social studies teacher and curriculum director 
and found that I was really going to be needed to be taking care of my mother who was diagnosed with Alzheimer's and eventually then later my father had a stroke and I was caregiver to him in our home. So you'd been a, a social worker and a teacher as you talked about prior to coming to DFW. So what was the path you elected to take upon arriving in Plano? Well, because I knew I would be staying at home with our son as my husband traveled a lot, um, it was important to me to become involved with church, and I began teaching parents who were having their children baptized at the, at the parish in Denton, and I also was an Eucharistic minister, and um, all of those things put me in touch with people who were, in many ways, sometimes isolated and going through grief and loss from loss of health. Hmm. And you started the Alzheimer um, Caregiver Support Group. Um, I know your your uh, your pastor encouraged that. And then I know that there was a woman um, who offered to help your group and seemed to really have an impact on you. So talk about the the woman uh, that kind of gave you some advice and and what that led to. When I moved to when we moved to Plano, um, again my husband was traveling and I wasn't I was ready to start a career, but I, it wasn't certain because of his of his schedule and so forth. And it was important that I stay at home, and then, of course, I was beginning to take care of our parents, my parents. But at the same time, I was continuing to be a Eucharistic minister. And in the process of being in the leading the Alzheimer's support group at the parish in Plano, um, I realized that there were people that were marginalized and, and feeling like they weren't being heard. And one of the processes that our pastor used at the time was in the time and talent search, which came in addition to um, committing financial resources to the parish, he would ask people to sign notes if they felt they could offer themselves to various groups in the parish to be of help. Um, so I received a note from someone who said she would be happy to help me out with the caregiver support group if I had to be gone or take my place in some cases um, and on a spur-of-the-moment notice. So I, t I called this woman, and she explained to me that she was a chaplain at a long-term care center in Dallas. Now, keep in mind, I was a cradle Catholic. I had been involved in church most of my life, uh, was married in the Catholic Church, of course, received all the sacraments. I had ne and my mother, my mother's sister was, was an Ursula nun. Keep in mind, I had never heard of a chaplain who was a layperson. The only time I'd heard of a chaplain was as a priest, a pastor, or a, a religious person, a nun. And when she began to talk to me about her life as a, and her work as a married woman, lay person, with an education in this field, and did the work she did helping people in listening to people in hospitals and nursing homes and so forth, I became mesmerized. I, I was taken with such an overwhelming sense of peace when I was listening to her in our very first conversation that I didn't forget that, and I later moved on to investigate more about that. And so you uh, had decided you want to investigate more about that, and that, I understand, led you to UD. How did you decide that UD was the, the place for you to pursue that path? Well, it, initially, I wasn't sure if it was still going to be chaplaincy, because I was also entertaining the possibility of becoming an attorney to work with the marginalized and or possibly uh, go into clinical to um, uh, become a licensed professional counselor with an MSW degree. And that's when chaplaincy sort of found its way to fit in with that. So I wasn't really sure. And um, I knew, however, that 
uh, and SMU was going to be my choice if I was going to be going to law school. But I knew that if I wanted to follow chaplaincy, I really didn't want that to be from um, a not-Catholic school. I wanted that to be from a Catholic school. And UD was here, and I knew it had a good reputation, so I pursued that. My husband, in the meantime, had gone to UD in Graduate School of Business, and he was very, very impressed with the way he had hands-on learning with his experience so and exposure to UD. So that's kind of what I did, and I followed my search through UD and found that, that they were just beginning a terminal degree in, in, the, in master's in theology and eventually opened the IRPS, which led to the master's, the uh, school, of the, uh, school of pastoral care, school of pastoral ministry, I'm sorry. And, and so once I was studying for pastoral care, studying pastoral ministry at UD, um, the professors impressed me. Um, the, the community impressed me that I felt like as a woman I had a place there studying theology and pastoral care. And um, the questions I asked were, were met with respectful answers. I wasn't um, looked down upon because I shouldn't have those ideas or, or those, uh, the, those processes of thinking um, to go into ministry. And that was, that was very helpful to me and very affirming. And so I, I simply continued and pursued it until I received a master's in pastoral ministry. And I was very, very happy because of the, all the things that I learned through that degree that helped me become a chaplain later on. And so your, your first month into that, I know you, you said you get to be in the workforce while you're, while you're getting your education. Why was that so important for you? Well, again, going back to, I still, I was hearing this motion or this voice from God, if you will, this this inclination about chaplaincy, but I was digging my heels in and telling God, I, don't, I think you have the wrong person. I don't know if this is for me. That's supposed to be someone who's holy. That's, that's for people who uh, consider themselves called by God, and that's not what I interpreted this as. And yet, I was thinking very clearly that Maybe I should still try uh, law school or going into um, uh, looking at being com- becoming a licensed professional counselor. Any of those degrees that I would have pursued would not have allowed me to do the actual work until I received my degree. And I was getting older. By this time, I was in my late 40s when I was going through this process and thought, I really want to know more specifically about what the actual work is like. And... Studying chaplaincy, I learned that I could possibly um, become enrolled in, if I was accepted, into a program for clinical pastoral education. Ordinarily, most of the people that are admitted into these programs already have to have or near close to finishing their graduate degree, and many of them, because they're Protestants um, or, or not Catholic people, Jewish people and other, other religions, they have received their degree such that they become an ordained person in their, in their denomination. And I wasn't anywhere near that. Yet I decided, and again, this was all pensive, thoughtful, sort of a, a God thinking, God pushing me, God inviting me to something. And I decided to take a chance and apply, and I was accepted. And I was working, just beginning to work on my graduate degree at the same time. And once I got into the work, we, when you study, when you become enrolled in a CPE program, as it's called, clinical pastoral education, 
it's very soon into the program, within a few weeks, that you start visiting patients and you start doing the listening work that is needed to be a, an effective, helpful chaplain. And that's what I, what I so much appreciated about studying chaplaincy and, and going about it in this way. It gave me an actual sense of the work. And then I didn't have to think, well, I'll go all the way to get the degree and then I won't be happy doing the work. I, it's not where I belonged. And I think we all go through that as we think we want to study something and it's what we think we should be doing. And then you get out to do the real deal, the real job, and it's not anything like what you studied. And I just didn't want to do that. I, I was getting older and I just, I just didn't want to go that route. And I'm so grateful to God for, for somehow putting in me that notion of just keep trying, just keep looking, I'm with you, don't give up. And within about three weeks of being in the CPE program, I was at my director's door saying, I think this is where I need to be. But it didn't come without fighting with God, believe me, <laughs> and needing to be reassured all the time. <laughs> and that education that you got along with as you before you entered the workforce and as you were continuing your wor work, how did you find the education different um, than what you had previously experienced at Cleveland State and then your time as a teacher um, in Chicago and other parts of the country? Well, in the education, in the role that in the MPM program that I was in, I was, because it was in the early stages, I don't know if that's true today, in the early stages when I was in the program, the courses that I, many of the courses that I studied um, were similar to those that are in priestly formation and Masters of Divinity. Even though that's not available at UD, it could lead to that if you transfer then to a, a Catholic school that does offer that. Um, but I was learning uh, alongside deacons and seminary students. And so we were delving deeply into scriptural studies and, and areas of uh, theo theological understanding and explicacion, as I say, that I would not have had an opportunity to do at any other school, as far as I know, at least those schools that I could travel to and get to and, and use for study. So it became apparent to me that UD is the place I belonged. And then you got involved uh, with, the, the, with the diocese. I know upon finishing your degree, um, after actually being a certified chaplain, how, what was your role with them, and, and how did that supplant um, your other day-to-day -day activities? It was an extension of what I was doing as a chaplain, um, and it started not long after I finished my degree at UD, and they were, and uh, the diocese was looking for a program. Deacon Charlie Stump was head of pastoral services and, and still is, and he uh, was looking for a program to help parishes established bereavement ministries within their parish. So he and, he and I and another gentleman um, started with a program that was initially called Ministry of Consolation, and we taught that within parishes all over the diocese for, for several years together. And then he and this other gentleman uh, stepped back because their careers required that they didn't have that, that much time. So I carried on with that, and I later uh, was was assisted by another woman who uh, was following chaplaincy just behind me, basically. Um, and she and I worked together um, very much to develop that into what is now known as the Pastoral Care Training Series for staff and volunteers. And we were essentially focusing then on 
teaching and helping to facilitate Eucharistic ministers who were going into nursing homes and private homes and institutions where people were going to be suffering grief and loss, again, particularly because it was loss of health. We don't think of loss of health as something that we grieve over, but just a change in our normalcy uh, that means we have to stop doing what we normally do. It might be just simply a very bad infection that we get, and we have to stop working, and we have to take time off and so forth. Things like that that cause us to change our norm um, gives us pause. It gives us all time to think about what is important here, what is important in life, and and I feel a sense of loss about my loss of health. And uh, so I moved into we we moved into training people to be able to listen to people without trying to fix their problem. Um, many people who think that who listen will jump in right away to say, well, when I had that happen, this and this and this is what I did. So if uh, presuming and trying to tell the other person that if you try these things that I did, you'll get better, you'll get fixed, everything will be fine. And listening without trying to fix is a really difficult. Uh, challenge for people who believe they listen, but then when they learn to listen without trying to fix, it's a totally different phenomenon, totally different skill set. And so we tried to convey that by way of practices um, with students who were coming in from all different walks of life, as it turned out. We started with um, people that were Eucharistic ministers and pastoral care people within parishes, but it went to teaching um, administrative assistants because they are the ones who received the phone calls very first time before the pastor gets them or anybody else in the church gets them and how do you how do you talk to someone on the phone who's calling to tell you about a funeral that they need for their loved one and then we 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 incorporated um, youth ministers because there are kids that are suffering loss at home or conditions at home that that feel painful to the children and how do you recognize that and how do you how do you pay attention to that uh, without trying to necessarily fix it, but listen to the person who's needing the help. And many, many, many times they're going to guide themselves into the process by which they can begin to reconstruct. And so that that was a great help for me personally, and I hope it was a help to those that we we were teaching and offering skill sets to. And it uh, it is still going on today, and we, we ended up having all kinds of professionals in our program as they got word of this, um, other physicians and uh, attorneys, and we had someone who uh, had a franchise for a home health care agency, and he would have us train all of his caregivers uh, that went into the homes of elderly. Um, so it just, it just kept growing and growing, and it's still being done. I'm no longer the, the team leader for that. Uh, I've retired from that as well as my full-time work as a as a hospital chaplain, but the work continues, and I'm, I'm very happy about that. And just to clarify for our audience, the businesses that were sending people to you, they weren't necessarily Catholic or of the church. These no. were just, this was just anybody that was wanting yes. to get training from you. Yes, the, the class was not meant to be proselytizing or evangelizing at all. If that happened, we would talk about God, we would talk about the importance of, of God in our lives, but that was an underlying fact, if you will, in the class. It was not meant to evangelize intentionally. It was, as they say, um, if at all, preach the gospel and, if necessary, use words. Well, that's 
our work was that of living the gospel, we hoped, and, and indeed we had people coming from all different kinds of faith backgrounds, or no faith backgrounds, or questioning their faith. Um, it all made sense when we had them in the class, they would, they would reflect back to us and let us know, both in the surveys and the evaluations, as well as conversations, that this was a very helpful experience for them in developing their own toolkit. And recently, the UD community got to know you because you were chosen to receive the Distinguished Alumni Award. What did that honor mean to you? Well, it was huge to begin with. I had no sense of this happening at all. Uh, a friend had said she was asking me questions about if I questions that related to submitting this nomination. I wasn't clearly aware that that's where this was going to be heading, but I just gave her the basic answers that she needed to questions, and that was it. And several months went by. We hadn't talked to each other. Christmas came and went, and I wondered, well, I hadn't heard anything uh, more from her about any of this so or from University of Dallas, as I knew that's what the questions were relating to. So that was a wonderful opportunity to think that I was being – um, uh, thought of as a person for this kind of award, but at the same time, it's not, I just passed it over, and, and it was going to perhaps happen to other people, and I was just thrilled to even be thought of, be considered, and um, then several months later, I received a letter in the mail that I thought was a tax receipt for a donation, a small donation, and it turned out when I opened it later that night, that because uh, I had put it aside, that indeed it was a letter notifying me that I was a recipient, and I, I was I was struck. I, I, I was just speechless and uh, and joy filled, and and very very humbled. And how was the actual evening of the Distinguished Alumni Awards when you actually uh, were presented with your great award? Well, I I looked around the room as I first entered the room and realized I was amongst people that were very much convicted in giving to UD what their best was. My, my experience of being at UD was all of the people, whether it's professors or students that were there or administrative people, they seemed to impress me as people that wanted to give their best. So as I entered this room of, of other recipients and their friends and family, as well as some faculty members, I was impressed with how that was still alive that night. It, it hadn't changed, even though some people had been away from UD for 20, 30, 40 years. That was still a commitment that was still in their hearts. And so I was especially humbled and, of course, nervous and hoping I could convey my gratitude to all of the people that were gathered for the honor that I felt was present in the nomination and certainly then receiving the award because... Um, uh, to this day, I just can't still believe it was it was me. But I'm I'm again I'm I'm greatly, forever greatly, humbled and and, and honored to have received it. And, and finally, the career path you've taken, the journey you've taken, the different locations of the country you've had. What advice would you have for someone that's questioning what path is right for them, and they, they have a lot of interests like you did, and they don't know which one to pursue. Well, Rob, it, it sort of boils down to something that I call the kernel, uh, and I mean the kernel of corn here. Um, and let me sort of define what I think might be the best practice 
finding one's kernel. Um, name your joy. And then name your passion. Keep digging. Keep digging and looking at your life. There's going to be a story there, and it will be the kernel of basic awareness. Look at your failures as insights into your strength. Failures are gift as much as joys. How is our loving God present in these searches and these examines? We are led, I believe, to see our gifts, our strengths, and then formulate our own choices. Underneath all of this is a kernel that when you recognize it, you really can't deny it. That is life-giving. Your job or your career can align with your kernel. If you choose this with his guidance by listening to God, your heart, you will find peace. If there is no peace, keep digging deeper. Listen to your heart and your gut. That's the Holy Spirit talking to you. God loves you so very much and wants you to be joy-filled and peaceful. And you can find this with his help. And it's it's a process of looking inside as to what really brings you joy. And when you do the work that's aligned with that joy and passion and and knowing how much God loves you, to go forth in that and search for that, that joy and that peace comes through in the work that you do. And that's a gift to the other people that you will meet. Well, that was that was fantastic and very inspiring. And thank you so much for giving your advice to those of us that are that are always, I'm sure, seeking the next path to take and the best way to find that path. Thank you. It's been an honor to talk to you. I just want to emphasize how um, Jesus has always been my model for his humanity, his um, his being able to listen to everybody all the time. And I think that was the the essence for me of recognizing that chaplaincy was so important. Um, and even in today's gospel acc- acclamation of John 13, it says, love one another as I have loved you. And we just can't ever forget how much God loves us. And he is there. He was there helping me every step of the way, even when I didn't know those were the steps that were leading to the work that I would be doing. So thank you very much for the opportunity to visit with you and with your audience. Well, thank you so much for being on. We've really enjoyed it. Thank you. Well, that was our conversation with Marilee Kralik, who talked about her journey to becoming Catholic chaplain and her service to the church and to others. If you would like to share your story of how you are bringing the University of Dallas to the world, please email us at udalum at udallas.edu. We look forward to our next opportunity to share how UD's mission is being spread to the world.